multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, the final episode of our first year, including the examination of conspiracy theories that means it's time to don your They Live glasses, using The Walking Dead to help put your life into perspective, naked at the top of a castle screaming at the sun as a public service, an awesome plan to enable one to piss in the streets at will, 40 million dead buffalo, the Dalai Lama versus Chuck E. Cheese, and boobs as proof of the goodness of the universe. Now, quietly awaiting my one-way ticket to Guantanamo, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, answering hopelessness with a defiant smile and a raised middle finger, Daniele Bolelli. Away we go. Believe it or not, this is episode 24, which marks something kind of incredible. It's the end of our first year oh, on the interwebs, yeah. everybody. So, without further ado... Our hostess with the mostest. Well, you're not a hostess. Hoster with the moster. Well, last time I checked, I wasn't the hostess, but you know. Well, maybe. if you listen later with the Kate Upton story, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of questions, yes, percolating around right now. Lots of unanswered questions. Daniele Bolelli. Here we go. One year of doing the podcast. We have now at 24. The very next podcast we'll have will be the beginning of year two. So sweet, cool man. Thank you guys. Thanks everybody. Everybody, Seriously. the because, guests, yeah, the listeners, yep, you crazy folks that, that have three dollars to chuck every once in a while. It's all really appreciated. Uh, I can't really believe how well it's gone. And let me tell you, folks, the Dan Carlin episode just was knocked out of the park. And yeah. I'm sure 99.9 percent of that is Dan Carlin. But um, hopefully, more than anything, those of you who weren't familiar with them, go over and check it out because I think if you like our silliness you're really going to like what that band does yeah if you guys just um, came on board post Dan Carlin we do one episode in studio and then one episode with guests and um, that's how we switch back and forth so one a month is with a guest one a month is without thank you man thank to Rich thank to Evan too he's not he hasn't been here for a while but he keeps working for us behind the scenes and that's always very very appreciated you guys you know totally selfless work that make the podcast possible so thanks to both of you guys because you're doing awesome this is great I'm really really happy right now can't believe we've been doing it for a year and I'm still having tons of fun doing it so it doesn't really get much better than that time truly flies yes indeed thank you among the people who make this possible Datsu Sarah our very first sponsor has been on from pretty much from well not exactly day one but in one form or another actually yes he has been on from day one yeah has evolved into full sponsorship and so on great human being Chris O'Dell um check out the products products are amazing all handmade uh, bags computer bags um, gi if you train jiu-jitsu there's all sort of stuff uh on it on it.com that's where you go for lots of goodies from workout tools uh there's a you see a picture i put on facebook i put this picture Indeed. of like the one of the primal belt that Aubrey Marcus sent me. It's freaking awesome. I love it. And uh, kind of looks like me. It's the face of a chimp shield, uh, sculpted into the... I felt like I related <laughs> there. I Sometimes I have discussions with the chimp. We stare at each other and 
No, one thing that's awesome about those kettlebells is that they are, you know, some people have done beautiful art with the kettlebells, but, you know, in the process of making beautiful art, they completely fuck up the balance of the kettlebells. Yep. So then it's an art piece and it's that you can really use it. Uh, Onnit has done a really good job with those things, making them artistic, making them beautiful and balanced. So you can still use it as a workout tools. Supplements um from exercise to food to supplements there's all sort of great stuff at tonic.com please check them out uh the always glorious bennett from shore design um, give us our t-shirts uh, make some amazing other t-shirts i love the man makes great stuff so again makes it easy to give thanks to these guys since not only they are super generous but they really make good products among our affiliates, also speaking of good products, Coracao chocolate, again, and I've said chocolate, and not just chocolate, freaking good, high quality, almost healthy, if I dare say so, chocolate, which Yikes. sound like a contradiction of terms, but it's not here, so miracles do happen. What can I say? <laughs> Audible.com, more and more people listen to books um, while driving because they have no damn time to read. So I get it. Um, I was low on this stuff on the start. I'm beginning to get it more and more, the whole point of audiobooks. And uh, so, yeah, there's a ton at Audible. It's kind of like a Netflix for audio stuff in a way. You can, $15 a month, you get your new book every month. There are other resources that you can use there. So all of our sponsors, whether regular or affiliates, you find the links in the episode notes that either link us directly so they the affiliate know that you guys come from us and give us a kickback or if it's not an affiliate thing you can still get discounts you know we may not get paid by every person that goes there because some of the sponsors are helping us out anyway but you guys get discounts on any of the products we're discussing so check out the episode notes at the drunken taoist are we the the drunken taoist.com i believe so we're not www i know that much but yes, we are the drunkentowers.com. Check out uh, the episode notes there with for all the discount codes. Um, our t-shirts, um, we still have quite a bit in stock in gray and in red. Shoot me an email uh, again in the episode notes and you can check if we have your size and color preference in stock and uh, we'll make arrangements that way. To Daisy House for the music, always cool. Thank you so much. Uh, one quick, this is an extraneous one. I want to thank a company called Cold Steel. They sent us some pretty awesome knives and other strange tools that uh, I'm quite passionate about. I've used them also for to help, you know, people who have been helping directly or indirectly the podcast. I've been using some of them as gifts. The epic marlon mercado got a folding knife that uh, i have actually one right here strapped to me in this moment they have they make great stuff now if you guys are the kind of souls that are disturbed by very sharp objects that can be stuck into people okay that's not for you if you are like me among the people who dig knives a lot well there's doesn't really get much better than cold steel in a lot of ways they have some amazing amazing stuff um Lizelle Gaspi has been one of Isabella's babysitter got lots of goodies because what's life without throwing lives you know you can't really go without so 
she got she's like you really you can get some please get me da, 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 da. now she's filipina so you know they're all crazy about knives and I, I get it and so is marlon so i see a pattern there about knives and filipinos but uh, we'll have you know there have been a few other people that are gonna keep getting gifts in the future in the coming but thank you so much to coldsteel.com i'll put a link in the episode notes to see if you guys want to check out some of their stuff other than that, what else is left? Not much. We want to... Oh, the Amazon sorry. link, of course. Amazon link. You guys are broke. Don't have money to send, uh, you know, to help out with the podcast. Totally understandable. No problem at all. But maybe you do shop on Amazon. Please use our link. It helps us anyway, just as much. So that's another way to contribute to the podcast. If you aren't a more direct send us cash because you like us mode which is always sweet there are a few people who have done it this month i want to uh, thank trying and again by thank i mean fuck up their name while reading it on the air here we go let the pottering begin ting wang i want to dare to say chinese uh christopher moon caleb dietrich anthony ralph who was pretty freaking scary generous um Richard Marshall, a friend of mine from Italy from way back when. I haven't talked to him in a while, and he all of a sudden I see his name pop up on the donation. Super sweet. Federico Rossi, very nice. Uh, then we got, oh, Jesus, man, again, some of this. You are fucking with me, my man, because I know you're making up this name just for me. No, maybe it's real. I mean, hell, Daniele Bolel is a weird enough name, so I should really get, but... Help me out. Uh, what do we got here? Brede Honstad. Honstad, of course. Sure. How could I possibly miss that? I think you nailed it. And Ben Burgess. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for helping us. But even if, you know, you can donate, you don't... Oh, yes. One more thank you. We have uh, Christine Franklin sent us some cool gift straight up here at the Drunken Taoist. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. Or Christine or Chris something. But again, don't mind me. I fuck up everybody's name. It's not a name if it's not a botcher. Yeah, precisely. Thank you. <laughs> I like that line. Uh, you guys don't shop Amazon. Are never going to buy anything from affiliates because you have no money, you, which means you can donate, which means, you know, I get it. All you do is enjoy the podcast and we are happy. You don't need to give anything. But if you are in a giving mood, except non-financial, one thing that would be sweet is go on iTunes write a review you know we have i forgot the last numbers but we have thousands of listeners and we have less than 400 reviews on itunes so if nothing else if you can go up there put up a review that would be really sweet yes yes, another way to contribute to the podcast and we really appreciate it i just want to take one second to tell you how excited i am uh with all the response we've gotten about kiva.org um, punch it in and check it out yourself. So far, our own team, Drunken Taoist, has 53 loans totaling $1,475 handed out to the world to help others out. Uh, Kiva is a nonprofit organization that has a mission to connect people through lending to alleviate poverty so that you can give a $25 uh, donation that helps somebody in the world. 
buy a new cow, get a tractor, buy a water pump. There's thousands of different things that you can help people out with. And it's really an incredible thing that will make you feel better, make you feel good about yourself. So you can help empower the world with a $25 loan. And if you contact me at therichimon at gmail.com, T-H-E-R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N at gmail.com, I can set you up with that first loan and you can pay not a dime. So join us. Uh, sign up for Team Drunken Taoist, and let's keep it going, because the response has been incredible, and I know we can do even better. Thanks, everybody. So, on that, I think we're ready to roll. Are Episode we? 24, year yes. one. let's do this. I'm deaf in one ear today. Nice. Why? The waxy cloggage that nobody wants to think or hear about. But Make up some cool story. Explode. You save a child from an exploding grenade and now you're deaf in one ear. That's what you got to say. That's exactly what happened. I'm okay, I'm that out. good. I'm glad we straightened that out. But now it's like, are you hearing in both ears? I'm here. I'm so delirious by now. I had the whole day I started... First day back to school of my, you know, my daughter, first back, back to school. Then I had to run to record something on uh, the point with the Young Turks. Did that one. Then I thought about six hours worth of lecture today with office hours in the middle. And now it's time for our podcast. So did everybody get their handy handshakes and their uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers intros? Yeah, that was last week. I did that one. That was my day. First day back to school was last week. Yeah, that was fun. I think a lot of people are adopting that. Yeah, I've seen a lot of mail where people love that idea. Yeah, no, I mean, it's so simple. It's not like rocket science. It's you're just being nice to other human beings. It's really simple. I never forget, you know, especially like the general studies when there's 140 people in the class or something like that. I had this this one, I guess, physical science or whatever it was. And um, he wasn't nice to the students. He just liked to show off. Hmm. So second day, he told everybody, stand up, scramble, sit in a different chair, and he would name everyone. And for every point he got wrong, for everyone he got wrong, was a point for everybody on the final. Really? Did not miss a fucking name and had four or five of these big classes, so... What a freak. I don't know how he did it. That was definitely a special skill, though. I don't fucking remember anybody's name. I'm no lucky I know your to... name. Yeah, I know. I'm, like, really, really bad with names. I'm terrible. Are you, like, it passes through you as they're saying hello? Yeah. Hey, I mean, I'm... Yeah, it's like, and, what their name was again? Uh, no, I don't uh, get it, because to me, it's like, if I see your name, I read it 16 times in a row, then I'll get it. But if you, somebody tell me their name, I think we should go back to, you know, your name is uh, Owl That Flies in the Sky. I'll remember that. There's a story to it. It's like, hey, why is that? Oh, because that one time, this Owl That... I'll remember that. Yeah. But if your name is David, no offense to any David in the world... What the fuck? That doesn't mean anything. There's no story to it. There's and there's no... a shitload of them. Yeah. So it just... And this goes for just about everybody's name. You know, there's very, very few names <laughs> that I'll remember because there's something striking about them. All the others are just like, Daniele. Yeah, whatever. What kind of a fucking name is that anyway? Are but... there many Danielis in Italy? Is this... Yeah. Yeah, it's fairly common. I mean, it's not super, super common, but it's not rare either. It's like common enough. But, uh, yeah, all the names that we use are just dumb, 
being shit. There's no story to tell. If there's no story to tell, there's no power to them. Why should I remember them? There's there's no in, nothing interest me in there. No, I think it, you know at least like Jon Snow and things like that in Game of Thrones. Yeah, some, a little bit of meaning to you. Know, oh, I know what you've been up to. Oh, you're a bastard from the north. Exactly. You're Jon Snow. See, yeah, that's kind of exactly. nifty. Yes, absolutely. Of course, you know with the wedlock rates this country has. Yeah, everybody. Everybody would be, would be named Snow. Snow. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess we must begin some ranting. Yeah, let's rant away. So uh, rant number one, I would say. Well, let's get this going. Conspiracy theories. They're bugging me a lot. Because, not because I... Let's put it that way. There is obviously weird shit out there that goes on that's not what the official story tells you. That's a given. I mean, that's like, has always existed, will always exist. People try to get away with shit. Fact, no problem. There is the fact that, uh, you know, it's not popular to say that you are doing certain things. And so you'll present it in a much better light and give some excuse for something else that's going on under the table. I get that. The thing about the conspiracy theories that bug me is that it becomes like this manic, weird shit where you start believing in, like, I mean, some of the stuff that I know, even smart people that I know that they go by, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, how deeply out of your mind you have to be to go there? My favorite that I heard the other day, I saw this guy, I'm not even going to mention names because I don't want to advertise anybody who goes down this weird shit, but... This one guy was suggesting that the entire psychedelic culture was completely and totally a product of the CIA or the FBI, alternatively, depending what mood he was in. The Grateful Dead, clearly CIA. Oh, the, yeah. You don't look at Jerry uh, Garcia. Of course. You know, That's it's like CIA spook right dead there. Dead ads, all CIA. The <laughs> Hyde Ashbury, clearly FBI-inspired. <laughs> all of that. And it was like this whole thing about how it's all a government conspiracy to draw people away from serious political work into just being drugged up, la, 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 life is good, and not do shit about changing the system. And I'm like, God damn, man, by the time you reach this point, we can't even have a conversation anymore. You're just so far out of your mind that I don't even know what to say. Well, you can definitely be sure that there are no psychedelic experiences in that person's past either. Or, no, sadly, in this case, this is what's funny, Very a lot of psychedelic experiences. How is this possible, then? I think it's just... The doors broke open too wide. I really think that... Yeah, I think that's what happens. Is I think the... um, Conspiracy theories are addictive. You know, when you get into them, because there's a fun story, there's like, I'm finding the truth. All these other motherfuckers, they're all asleep. (laughs) They don't see the truth. It's like, remember that bad sci-fi movie? uh, By the way, I loved it. They live. They live. I knew what you were going to say. God damn you. Everybody's favorite. How did you know? Because that is one of the greatest ones where it's like, I got the glasses and now I see. I put the glasses on you when you see I swear to God, I've been behind those people in Rouse before, too, you know? (laughs) Oh. And they are all aliens. Yeah. And I dig it. I get it. It's funny. And it, there's something empowering about that notion. But I think it becomes so addictive that even smart people start seeing connections that are not there. They make up w- enormous amount of shit along the way. Each step of the line of reasoning makes sense, except that from the spot you started to where the point you ended, every little detail yeah. made sense, but the whole picture is completely off. Well, it's all a game of telephone at that point, too, yeah. because for, for fact A to relate to fact B, there's a little bit of tinkering you have to do. I have a friend who, regular guy, very talented, 
works hard at his job, and he believes the lizard people concept of that guy, Icky, top to bottom. He has no question that, yes, this is all very true, especially here in Los Angeles where the wow. lizard people tunnels yeah, yeah, are burrowed yeah. into the earth. And, I mean, the thing to me is some clearly there are some real conspiracies that are going on, but one of the basic rule of thumbs for me is a conspiracy to work has to be simple. You know, a JFK kind of thing. I can see how that there could have been something going on there other than the official story because it doesn't take that many people to pull it off. Right. Realistically, you need 10 to 20 people to pull a JFK kind of thing off. That means that you only need 10 to 20 people to keep their mouth shut for the rest of their life. Which and is to, still a lot. Right. But it's, yeah. it's a lot because yeah. good luck getting 10 to 20 people never to say a thing about it. But 10 to 20, you can do it. If you're talking about events that are so complex to organize that they require hundreds of people, you are guaranteed that that's bullshit because there's no way that you're going to get hundreds upon hundreds of people not to come out with evidence that six years down the road they have a mystical experience where they say, fuck, I can't believe I was part of the horrible thing. I'm going to come clean before I blow my brains out. Yeah, and there's always somebody who wants to be the wiseacre that knows everything, yeah. you know. Hey, look what I know. Right. But then again, you know, sometimes you have to understand that Yes, it was one guy that wired all the elevator tubes of the World Trade Center. He just had months and months to do it. And he would go in every day and put one little thing. Yeah, in. I don't know. No, I'm with you. Yeah, it just seemed like seriously pushing it. When it gets too complex, when it gets too weird. It's impossible. Nothing that's too com I mean, think about it. Especially when there are government conspiracy. When the fuck was the last time that a government was good at anything and it was efficient? You know, what makes you think that they're going to be good at conspiracy? I remember... John Perry Barlow, the guy, uh, he wrote some songs for the Grateful Dead, which, by the way, that was used for evidence that there's clearly a CIA connection because John Perry Barlow was uh, invited by the CIA as a consultant on some stuff. And oh, one of the things he said is, after I met them, that's when I realized that 90% of the conspiracy stuff that I believe up until that point was utter bullshit because after I met what real CIA guys are like, I'm amazed that anything ever gets done. These were guys that was a miracle that they could tie their shoes in the morning. It's like be able to pull off some amazing thing. It was like, yeah, these guys? Are you kidding me? You know, it was just painful. And that's my main thing with conspiracy theories is do you really believe that these guys are that good at it and that many people can be involved without leaving anything? I just don't buy it. That's why I think there are some that are legitimate and real when it involves small numbers. But anything that's not simple uh, is mild bullshit a mile away. Well, I'm sure any moment now, some uh, naval vessel will be dinged by a grenade of some sort, and that'll be that. The Gulf of Tonkin too. Yeah, that's not hard to do. That doesn't take no. that many people. No, it's very Easy. simple. Yes. We always get outraged. Yeah. And, you know, but you don't even have to sink one anymore. Just put a good no. hole in the side of one. It's Absolutely. Like, oh, time to go. That's easy. That's yeah, easy. That's, that's easy. no big deal. I smell one coming. But he's like a whole movement lasting decades involving thousands of people. That was clearly a government conspiracy yeah. to rob the youth of their passion for politics. He's like, oh, fuck. You know, that just... The, and on that, that was actually... Somebody, I was going back and forth on Facebook with a friend, um, Michael Aaron Coleman. He wrote it perfectly about this. He said something along the lines that he said that this sort of the conspiracy uh, theory mentality 
is driven by this desire to in a way give way too much power to these shadow organizations like they are this amazing and in some way or the point that he was making that i thought was brilliant was that he argues that in some way this feeling is born from fear that maybe there really is nobody in charge not a good guy but not a bad guy either that maybe the universe is really just spinning out of control that we have no fucking idea what we're doing we have all these powerful technologies but there's no one who has a master plan of how things are going and that's how it is and it's scary have they not looked around right precisely and in that sense we become reassuring to believe in the new world order they are out there watching our every moves controlling every single step and they have it all organized to lead to where they want to go because at least it's like this big evil villain out there that if you defeat them, then the universe can be good again. But at least there's one guy, you know, there's one organization in charge. The scarier thing is, no, there's nobody in charge. There are a bunch of people who are, some are smarter than others, but nobody's a fucking clue how to make these things work. And we don't know what we're doing with the planet. And that's where it's at. Yeah. And if there was anybody in charge, they would all just hire consultants and, and contractors to do their job so they could go home and not do it anyway. So yeah. some guy with a pamphlet would be running things. Yeah. Like, well, it says here on page seven, record everything. Yeah, completely. And that, and that, I mean, is the same mentality as the religious stuff. It's like... It's all because of the devil and all the bad things that happen in the world. There have been some witches that are making this happen because it's their conspiracy with the devil to try to take over the souls of good Christians. And it's like, shit happens and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Deal with it. Doesn't mean that it's the devil. And uh, doesn't mean that it's the new world order. Doesn't mean that it's this. It's the human desire to have this one evil target out there like the james bond movie you know it's like the evil villains who pet a cat was the evil laugh going ha 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 and it's like if you stop him then oh man there's always 10 more in line behind him is the crazy thing i just don't you know what do you think about all this snooping going on man doesn't that isn't it crazy yeah i mean that happens and clearly reason for concern and it's clearly something to oppose as much as possible but then again that's part of the funny thing is all the snooping in the world who's gonna sift through the information who's going to somebody who more often than not misspell the search stuff that they are looking for they're gonna look it's like it's assuming that just because you gather data you can actually do something with it and you know there will be the cases where they can and they will fuck over some people in horrible ways. But in 95% of cases, they'll have no idea what the fuck they are doing and it's going to be way over their head. So yes, it's concerning. Yes, it's something that should be addressed. No, it's not that tomorrow Big Brother is ruling over everybody because it's not quite that efficient. Big Brother is a dumbass who can't see and barely hear something. No, and he's got lots of bad opinions and he drinks too much. Yeah. And he's forget who was I going to squash today? I can't quite remember. Well, I'll squash somebody else. No. And, uh, you know, if the if the Muslim terrorist threat was really on the scale that they want us to believe it was, when it came Thanksgiving right after 9-11, there would have been 50 suicide bombers in right. malls across the country. Yeah, of course. This shit would have been organized. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And I, I do not believe that this threat level is at the point where, uh, Mr. President, we must do this because there would be 157 different attacks every week if yeah. we didn't. No, I mean, if that's... But there's some asshole It's like, you know, here at Digicorp, we'll happily... Right. Seven billion, please. 
Well, conspiracy theories are pissing me off, so let's jump on something where we can have more fun and okay. less sound like grumpy old man. Oh, but, um, it's getting bad. So on that note, The Walking Dead. Oh. I think, what is it by now? Most popular TV series ever or something along those lines or pretty close to that? I don't know the actual numbers. I know it's definitely very popular. There was sort of a dark moment a few weeks ago, though, when the Breaking Bad mm-hmm. season premiere came out and Duck Dynasty drew more numbers than Breaking Bad. Ooh, Jesus. I mean, come on, folks. Yeah, I haven't made it that far into the strange realm of television, but... uh, (sighs) Now, my theory for um, uh, Walking Dead is this. I've been watching... Usually I'm not into zombie stuff, but I've been watching uh, Walking Dead religiously. And uh, (laughs) I think that part of the reason for this... Part is written well, and it's kind of cool. And there's this, uh, similar to Lost, you have, you know, this group of survivors, the dynamics among them, all of that. That's always fascinating stuff in sort of this post-apocalyptic scenario. But the coolest part about um, The Walking Dead is that by the time you're done watching an episode, you know, you're filled with adrenaline, there are fucking zombies trying to eat you, you have no water, you're running out of food, you don't know what... <sighs> panic, panic, panic. And then you stop the show and you look around you and I'm like, wait, there's no one coming to eat me right now. And look at that fridge. It's full. I have what? God damn, life is awesome. I can't believe how good my life is. It puts everything in perspective in a way that it makes you feel there and gives you that fear, the adrenaline, the stuff. And all of a sudden, you finish the show, you look around, and you seem like the universe is the best place ever, and you couldn't be any luckier. Well, if I've learned anything in our first year together, um, it's the miracle of the hot waterfall that hides yeah. off of my bathroom. Precisely. Like, what percentage of humanity ever experienced that? Yeah. There's a lot of zeros before you even get to a number, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in those moments, how are you going to improve upon this? Yep, exactly. Even if you do have a shitty day with traffic and the whole bit. Yeah. By God, there's some folks in, in Sudan that would very much like to oh, just yeah. try this once. Right. And you get to do it every morning. Yeah. So I think having a daily or weekly or whatever the show, like when you watch shows that put you in that space, but you know, you identify, so it's not somewhere bullshit, you feel it, right? but yet then you look around at your life and you're like, okay, Jesus, what am I complaining about? This is not that bad. It's kind of like, as long as you don't have hordes of zombies trying to devour your life, I would say that your life is pretty good. Not daily, at least. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, granted, yes, we live in LA, there's Hollywood, all of that, but still. Not on a daily basis. I agree. No, it's funny. It seems that the the real bad guys are the ones that have not learned to share. That seems to be the biggest problem. Yeah, that's the other days. thing that's cool about uh, Walking Dead right there is that you have the zombies. And, you know, season one, part of season two, that's what it's about. And progressively fades away from, you know, the evil zombies. Not even because, you know, it's like it's they mindless. have no consciousness. Mindless zombies trying to eat you. And it moves progressively more among the dynamics among people. How uh, nobody fucking trusts anybody else because everybody's ready to just cut your throat because you have a bag of peanuts. And uh, forget joining together to fight the zombies. You can do that for a minute before you turn back into each other. And the scariest one are the other humans in a lot of ways. Then clearly, since it's not like this super cynical thing that makes you want to shoot yourself, you do also have cool characters that manage to kind of rise above this sort of primal it's mine screw you i'll bash your head to steal your stuff instance 
and it's nice to see it and it's inspiring and all of that but the overwhelming vibe is one of fear of uh, distrust definitely fuck sharing you know there's and then in that moment you have the one that does it and it's heroic right it's like in a in a world where nobody's doing that then you have the ones that does take a leap of faith and trust somebody and all of that now the leap of faith thing so is weird because when i watch the show but to me in reality as well it's like what the fuck do you mean you don't know if you can trust them or not look at them and a bunch of times you know usually you have like four or five or six new people that meet the group and there's that and from 1.2 seconds that they are in i would say those two guys are totally okay the other four run for your life because they are evil motherfuckers and it's absolutely obvious and it's like wait why are you treating all six the same they are clearly different and uh, it never worked that way i'm like is there a radar broken there do you not fucking see it well you know in those episodes his radar was broken you yeah he was kind of scattered at the moment he made very bad decisions yeah and, yeah yeah uh, could have had some good members added instead they're over at the other guy's place. And the funny thing to that, though, is that that's the same thing how most people act in life. You know, it's like you have this, uh, he seemed like such a nice guy. No, he didn't. Have you looked at him? Are you insane? <laughs> what, what are you looking at him? He said, yes, thank you, and please. That doesn't make him a nice guy. He was an evil motherfucker, and you could see that 10 miles away. What were you looking at, you know? It's the same kind of damage perception that when people get into, you know, they get mugged or something. It's like, this guy just came out of nowhere. No, nobody came out of nowhere. He was right there. You're just not paying attention. You know, yeah, you were texting away, yeah. listening to some music when he should have been listening. Yeah. So uh, that stuff always cracks me up. I'm <sighs> like, do you really not see that? Do you really look at that? And today on the Young Turks thing, on the point, they had a. Uh, segment on the fact that i guess on craigslist there are a bunch of pregnant women who sell a uh, uh, positive pregnancy test on craigslist and you know more likely than not is somebody else who buy it to then say hey pregnant in that case you know let's get married and we don't really need to use condoms anymore so let's go ahead and then they can get really pregnant and so on oh. and i was thinking you know, there had all this debate about, you know, should Craigslist allow it, blah, 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 all of that. And I'm thinking, if you are with such an evil bitch would consider that, you have way bigger problems than Craigslist. Because that means you are so fucking out of perception of, you know, your perception of reality is so badly damaged that you can be next to a woman like that and not know it. Wow. Yike. You know, and I mean, it's not a bad it, shit good people make mistakes like that you know what i mean good people pick the wrong people and 10 years down the road they realize oh my god i can't believe i was in that situation so i'm not saying is you are stupid because you do that you know it happens at the same time it clearly means that your perception of reality is off and that you're not picking some major clues that are there and you're just really not paying attention so that's i don't know it puzzles me a bit. No, but you're right you can't police everything for everybody yeah no, I mean, that is like, of course, it's legal. It's like, it's weird and disturbing, but, you know. Can you imagine if we had real laws against stupid where people were locked up for stupidity? Yeah. You could not build enough prisons. Shit, the beauty of it is that traffic on the freeway would be a breeze. You would get oh, anywhere yeah. in three minutes. There'd be nobody anywhere when you got there, though. Right. <laughs> a lot of empty offices. You have meetings Especially with yourself. in this town. Right. I'm going to go meet myself. 
down in Malibu because yeah. I can get there in nine minutes now. Exactly. Yeah, Everybody else yeah, is in yeah. prison for being stupid. Well, that was some ranty rantiness. Yep. On that note, I think we can jump on our next segment. My God, I'm tired of it. <laughs> I have a dream today. And now we cross the ethereal plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. Now, we spent a good amount of time with gnomes over the past few months. I miss them now. I miss them now, too. Are they all gone? Yeah. No gnomes. I'm so sad. And no Travelocity hookup, either. No, so. this is so, I thought for so sure sad. that was a sign. No, this is actually a dream while I was in Italy on vacation. And uh, I Do just... subtitles? Um, no, no. Okay. I dream in multiple languages. I can <laughs> provide whichever language you need. No, I went... It's funny. Growing up in Milan, I always hated it because it was um, it's very great it's polluted it's, uh, I didn't dig it right now that I don't live there since a long time I start really appreciating some parts of town granted there are 7 million Italian places that are way cooler than Milano but I don't know I was like for example I went during the day I went to this um, what they call Castello Sforzesco it's this castle that was uh, the headquarter of the Sforza family there was one of the main families in Milan during the 1500s and so on they have by the way this very cool family logo where their um, I don't know what the hell you call it the coat of arms yeah the coat of arms was they have this uh, dragon that emerges out of it with, and it's eating a human so you see half of the body inside the dragon's mouth and the other half sticking out that's pretty badass that's you know talk about a good coat of arms by the way I did want to eliminated from uh, the that was and that's what actually where I went to the dream in any case I'm gonna get to that in the coat of arms as well the, um, so going to the castle you know you have this enormous medieval castle right smack in the middle of town right next to it you have this huge park where uh, people go you know people are there all the time to do pull-ups, push-ups, just take the kids out for a stroll. There's basketball court. It's just this big, huge park where it's kind of fun. It's a good uh, hangout spot. And I was like, man, this is nice. This is really, really cool. You have this place that has been here. It's been the center of Milan where so much stuff has happened for hundreds of years. It's visually stunning. It's like this fortress where they would just be barricaded inside during sieges, all of this and there's the architecture of it is all cool so eventually what happens is i go to sleep i start dreaming i'm still thinking about the castle and i probably in my dreams i was reviewing my life's goals and uh, i didn't really want to overdo it but my dreams were pushing me there so i decided we should bring back the title of duke of milan and i think i'm the perfect candidate i want to be when i grow up i want to be duke of milan Clearly, the Castello Sforzesco needs to be given to me along with the park next to it as a private residence. But because I'm not a selfish bastard, in the dream I would actually perform some functions for the people. As a public service, I would climb to the top of the highest tower, which sticks out way, way far. You can see it from all over on top of the castle. And every morning when the sun come up, well, I don't know about when the sun come up. I don't wake up that early. But at some point, the sun will be up when I'm awake. <laughs> and I will strip naked, go up at the top of the tower, scream at the sun to announce that the day has begun. And, and then 17 a.m. Exactly. And then 
wave at everybody, you know, know. then people after they saw that, they can go on their day and go, okay, the new day has begun. We we received the official blessing from the Duke interacting with the sun, and now all is good. (laughs) And uh, by the way, this does not mean that I've given up on becoming King of Hawaii. This would be just a part-time gig, the Duke of Milan. But I was like, I was picturing this... uh, my naked self at the top of the castle screaming at the sun as a sort of public service. I was fairly pleased with it. And of course, the as much as I dig the coat of arms of the dragon eating that dude, all of those would be gone and would be replaced by a gigantic uh, drunken Taoist logos Ooh. all over the castle. So that was my weird psychedelic dream. <clears throat> and, now, uh, do you want the whole ar- ar- archipelago of Hawaii or would just the big island be enough? I mean... F- you're gonna have it. Yeah, king is king. You know, kind of one island kind of uh, a king. Are you? Then there'd be eleven kings. Yeah, noise. And then you have to fight, and the neighbor from the next island is giving you shit. No, no, it's the whole thing. Have it's, you have you ever been up to the top of Hearst Castle? No, I haven't. I'm sure it has nothing compared to like towers and stuff. But as far as here's the nicest place I could possibly put this thing. Really? Holy shit. Well, it's nothing but rolling hills into the ocean. I think that's a new place where I need to go naked on top and scream at the sun. Well, and I think that's exactly because I had the same sort of thought. Mine was sort of to, to piss off the side every morning. And it's a good morning piss and send that down to the ocean yeah. to help, you know, keep everything. I just remember part two of the dream. Now oh, I remember. There we go. There was, because that first part had me involved with the activities of the day. Well, not getting naked and screaming at the sun, but, you know, going to the castle and so on. And I think I remember I was imagining some sort of historical fiction in my dream. And I was picturing, like, 1500s Italy, people coming from the farms and all of that. And when you move to the cities, a different story. So, you know, you're, you grow up and you have the rooster that wakes you up in the morning and you're in the city and you don't have it anymore. So as a public service, there would be this one guy who just every morning open his window, starts screaming like crazy when the sun comes up naked. And uh, in my dream, like the church was trying to get him because he's like, come on, you can't just show your balls to the whole world first thing in the morning but the locals were very big on having their substitute human rooster and so they were defending him and saying no no let him do his thing we need him and he was burned at the stake later that evening no my dream was pleasant oh, good. no violence That's for a while unusual. I know Jesus I'm, there are problems no here no werewolf zombies no no nobody no angry gnomes nope none of that no I don't know if this actually qualifies as a dream time. I might have to look it up in the handbook. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, don't worry. I'll it's go back to wildly something. Wildly pleasant. Actually, it is kind of a nice change of pace. Yeah. Well, know, um, the, the angry dreams or the, the violent ones have stepped aside for a little while. Don't worry. It just, uh, we're taking a little pause there. But yeah, You just got class started again. There yes. Plenty of bastards to be hating on. No sure. worries. We'll take care of that. Okay, okay. There you go, folks. There's your dream time. On to the next subject. this week um montana i believe wyoming montana somewhere around there this isn't the nez person and chief joseph is it because that's too sad 
I'll give you a spin on that. Yes, it involves the Nespers. It involves the... But that's the bigger story. We're not really going there. Okay. Um, we're going into a weird nugget of a tale within all that that's beautiful. So we're not going to end 17 miles from the border? No, exactly. I mean, the whole story... To tell Chained you, in a prison yeah, in Florida yeah. for the rest of his days. Uh, Oklahoma. Sucks. Oh, yeah. But sucks even more. You're not even... Oh. But yeah, on that note, so uh, the general contest is 1877. Nespers getting kicked out of the reservation. They don't like it. They get into a fight with settlers. The army comes to punish them. They fight the army. They escape. Don't know where the fuck to go. They head toward Montana, hoping that the crow will help them out. The crow say, dude, we like you, but not that much. Because it's like the U.S. government would be on our ass if we, like, if we help you. So tough luck. Nespers are every few days fighting the army, breaking away. The army catches up. They fight them again. There's this series of running battles that this tribe is dealing with as they are trying to figure out what the hell to do, where do they want to go. They know that they can stay there, but they are. And eventually they decide, okay, we'll turn north and try to cross the border with Canada so that we can um, escape the um, U.S. And I never got the feeling that the U.S. cavalry was going to stop at any border. Yeah, probably. But and they get, as you said, the end of the story is that they get caught within a few miles of the border. There are actually quite a few of them that manage to sneak through the lines and cross into Canada and succeed. Others get to be thrown into Oklahoma, which have become the dumping ground for various defeated tribes that get to be sent there. And I've never been to Oklahoma, but it doesn't sound like that would be my guess is that people were thrown in there because no one else wanted to be in Oklahoma until they decided that they wanted then they take their land there as well but you know for the time being the so that's the general contest but the nugget of a story we're gonna go for takes place as the Nespers have made their turn north and they happen to cross through uh, what had just become one of the very first national parks ever actually the very first in the United States Yellowstone National Park you know, the, what was happening in the 1800s, the process of westward expansion was so brutal on the environment that it was wiping out everything left and right. There wasn't really much of a sense of preserving nature. It was Nature was getting wiped out. I mean, you mean killing all the buffaloes wasn't pre- preserving yeah, nature? Yeah, speaking of yeah, buffaloes. The trains. The beginning oh. of the 1800s, in the United States, it's estimated that there were somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 million buffaloes. Yeah. If you guys have ever seen a buffalo live, have you seen how freaking big one buffalo is? They're awesome. 40 million means they cover the country, right? They were the dominant species in North America. Yep. By 1895, within the United States, there are less than 1,000 buffaloes left. That's like a near wipeout of, it's crazy right yep things like that were happening for wolves for you know where in california on the flag there's a grizzly bear or any grizzly bears in california now none whatsoever you know this process was just taking place not only with animals also with just nature forest stuff everything was getting torn apart so some brave soul had the bright idea of saying you know what maybe it wouldn't be too crazy if you set aside a few little oases of nature so that in the future people can travel there and go whoa look at that is that a tree or something there's no pavement here how are we supposed to walk so you know as a mystical experience by having a couple of trees left somewhere 
The, so, bottom line, Yellowstone has been just created as the first national park. So tourists have been visiting there for a couple of seasons and so on. And the Nespers happen to cross through Na- uh, Yellowstone National Parks as they are escaping from the army and they wow. run into some of the first generations of tourists visiting the park. By now, the Nespers patience is running really thin. They have been through lots of fights. They are blooded up, bruised up from battle after battle with the army. They are not in the most patient mood ever. So they run into some of these tourists and they're like, hey, you guys, sorry, you guys are coming with us. We're taking you. After we cross the border with Canada, maybe we let you go. But for the time being, we don't want anybody staying behind telling the army where we went, how many of us, all of that, you're coming with us. All the tourists are freaked out and scared, so they're just going along. They're like, oh, shit, okay, just don't kill us. This one guy is mad. You don't tell me where the fuck, I'm not coming with you anywhere. Screw you, da-da-da, throw rocks at them. And, you know, by now, these guys have no they are not in the mood to take any shit. It's so a good one, way to get a hatchet in yeah, your face. Yeah, one of the warriors at the beginning of the column hear this stuff, and he's like, you know what? I had it with you. Pull out an arrow, shoot the guy with bow and arrow, guy fall down. Everybody goes, oh shit, they killed him. I can't believe it. But turns out he's not dead. So a little bit later, he comes to, he wakes up again, he passed out for a while, he still has this one arrow stuck inside of him, didn't really learn from the first time, so he started yelling at the Nespers again. One of the warriors at the end of the column has the same idea as the guy at the beginning, which is, man, you're so annoying, pulls out an arrow, shoot the dude with the arrow, the guy falls down, he's dead, right? No. He now has two arrows stuck inside his body. Is his name Rasputin? I don't Hours later, a scout for the army that are chasing the uh, Nespers arrives onto the scene, find this guy with two arrows stuck in him but still alive, pulls out the arrow, giving first aid, uh, say, look, I can't take you with me right now because I need to race back to the army to lead them here, but, you know, we'll be here shortly. We'll take care of you. In the meantime, you know, let me, I'll start a little fire for you to stay warm and stuff, so you're going to be okay. Just hang tight, okay? And he takes off. Which is sweet, except the leaving an open flame next to a guy that's going in and out of consciousness. I've heard of better ideas occasionally. And so <laughs> this dude at one point passes out from loss of blood and he wakes up as the fire is spreading and he's catching on fire. And so he rolls himself down at hill into the river to turn himself off because he was catching on fire. By the time the army comes through, they're like, where the fuck is that guy? Where did he go? He's like, uh, I don't know. It's not it. There's a big black spot of burnt stuff, but he's not there either. So, oh, well, we got to chase the Nespers. So see you guys. This guy climbed out of the river, makes it by now on his elbows and knees, 30 miles to the closest army spot. <laughs> Takes a while to get there. Yeah. Weeks go by as they are treating him and giving him, you know, healing him, doing all sorts of stuff. At one point, the doctor is coming to give him the good news that from the latest exam, he looks like he's going to make it. He's going to be okay. He sits on the bed to tell him, oh, my God, you're so lucky. It's amazing. The bed had been eaten by termites a bit. So the additional weight of the doctor sitting on it makes the bed crack. The dude falls out of bed. All his wounds open up again. And the tale goes that the guy lives until he's 93 years old. Under the file, the man who wouldn't die. Is there 
any deep historical significance to this tale? None whatsoever. It's just a hell of a funny <laughs> story, and it's totally worth going into it. Now, I heard it and read it while in Montana, and you know, some of the locals were swearing up and down by the truth of it. I would imagine the legend has taken over and some of the details have been embellished. I wouldn't exactly swear by the historical truth of everything that we have just said, but who the hell cares? If you're looking for historical truth in front of a legend, you're looking in the wrong place. Yeah, and, and, and this is story time. This yeah. isn't, this is the truth time. Yeah, fuck that. So we dig, uh, I'll take a good legend over some boring historical truth any day. I like it. That's story time for you, my man. Well, then you can put the children to sleep to that one. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, it's bloody, but nobody dies. Except for Chief Joseph. Well, even him lives a long time. Eventually, he gets Sad. his people. Even that, he gets screwed, but his daughter made it into Canada. His people eventually get a reservation in Washington and Idaho, close enough to where they started from. Yeah. Uh, not the happiest moment in their lives, the whole process, but, you know, could have gone a lot worse, all considered. No, I guess it wasn't Trail of Tears level disaster. No, or Wounded Knee level disaster oh, or bunch of level disasters. So it sucked, could have sucked a lot worse. Again, do they have zombies trying to eat them? No. So be happy, motherfuckers. There you go. There you go. Now, enough of the complaining, everybody. No zombies to- today. Yeah. Together. Okay, ready? We're running away from the from bad, bad police. police. <laughs> okay, now you do it. We're running away from the bad police. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, baby. Isabella moments in the plural. Let me throw a few your way. One was, uh, some of them are really brief, but they are so fucking funny that they are worth, uh, some of our, some of them are. Here is one that she was two years and nine months, something like that, less than three. Early presidential primaries are going on. There's, uh, she's sitting in my lap and we're about to watch cartoons, but I... Uh, I saw like these YouTube videos, some of the Republican primaries going on. So I really wanted to check something real quick. I told them to hang on one second. The image of Rick Santorum came onto the screen and uh, I see that like she turns to me and she's looking at me and she's like, Dada, like what? That man freaks me out. And I was on the floor. I was like, good instincts, baby. Very good instincts. Freaks me out, too. But I thought, like, that that man is freaking me out was the fucking funniest thing coming from a two-year-old ever. What did she do when Paul Ryan rolled on there? She must have really been terrified. After that, I decided it was enough for her for the day. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, Rick Santoro, we went second. She went, that man is freaking me out. See, the children can tell. Yeah, and she never said that about anything or anybody. She never said, oh, that's freaking... Just on that one occasion, she threw it out there. I was thought it was brilliant now a moment where i thought it was less brilliant was <laughs> one day when um i get this email i i've done occasionally very randomly but a few times i've written for the magazine the italian version of the gq magazine 
I don't know why the hell they call me because I'm not exactly fashion driven in any way. I don't know. That's a lovely drunken Taoist yeah, shirt you I have on that today. That is awesome. But the, um, they asked me to do stuff from US, interview some people, do whatever, right? So in this one occasion, they're like, okay, we got you this gig. You have to interview this girl. Um, can you, we'll pay you well, do this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool, great. So who do I need to interview? And this was back maybe a year or a year and a half, maybe more. I can't remember. And he was like, oh, is this girl uh, Kate Upton? Please uh, go ahead and interview. And I'm like, I, at the time, I had never heard of Kate Upton. So I'm like, okay, sure, you know, whatever. I have no idea what the fuck it is. But I Googled there and I was like, ha, huh, okay, I see a point. I, I, do, I do believe that this is not going to be the worst day of work of my life. No, but yes, and with your journalistic integrity, uh, you know, this is really going to, you're going to dig deep on this one. Oh, of course, that would be a fact. Except that this, because Miss Upton was not easy to accommodate in some way, was would have to take place in New York. And these crazy bastards are like, we'll fly you to New York to meet. I'm like, really? You're spending that kind of... None of that made sense to me, but I'm like, who cares? It's your money. I can fly to New York to meet Kate Upton and hang out. I can see who are things again. And Isabella got sick. And I was like... Fuck. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, I was like, oh my God, you fucking baby. You owe me so big, you don't even know. It's, uh, I will stay home, you damn baby, cuddling you and holding you on my chest so you can sleep better rather than being flat on your back where you can't sleep when you're all sick and stuff. But. Jesus, man, you owe me so big. It's the law of the good dad. It's what you have to do. Yeah. I'll never forget, we were visiting my sister in D.C., and the kids were young, you know, three, five, seven sort of thing. And it was Graham's birthday. Mm-hmm. Now, on this very same day, the Dalai Lama was on the mall going to speak to the people. And where was I when the Dalai Lama was speaking to the people? I was in the Chuck E. Cheese enduring that shit of course but you know what that's what you have to do on that day as much as you know cute little guy the Dalai Lama is fun and all but Kate Upton Dalai Lama I don't know I just I I can't really calculate that yeah I don't know man as much as I'm gonna tell my little one about this and he's gonna be quite impressed yeah the Kate Upton thing I was like oh my god I can't believe I'm doing this it could only be disappointing though I'm sure. You know, actually, no, I don't want to alienate too many. Well, what the hell? Most of our audience is male. Well, I'll alienate them too. But the reality is actually I didn't really like her that much. I mean, I'm all, boobs are the proof that the universe is good. So yeah. I'm all for anti-gravitational boobs are, you know, it's as good as Nutella pretty much. I'm actually now picturing Nutella covered anti-gravity boobs. That's the ultimate of the ultimates. But so I'm all for that. But Honestly, if I look at it happening, I'm not attracted. I'm like, yeah, you have awesome boobs. And if I only focus on that, then yes, I'm happy. But other than that, no. Uh, and again, I don't mean to sound like a ultimate pain in the... I will sound like an ultimate pain in the ass on this, but I don't think I would... You know, I don't know somebody I would go for. Even if she was like, oh, my God, you're so awesome, blah, 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 which is just my regular Tuesday, basically. Yeah. But I would, I'd be like, eh, 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 I don't know. I can't, I have this really weird thing. I can't really separate in terms of attractiveness, 
I can't separate very well between physical attraction and vibe. And um, and even physical attraction, I'm not into the kind of, I mean, again, boobs great, but everything else about Kata, I'm not, she's not a bad looking girl, but I'm not crazy about her. But mainly the vibe is... Well, what would happen when you strolled in that room and the vibe is like, ha Yeah, it doesn't, I don't know, man. You I'm, can sense vibe from across the country? Sadly. Um, uh, no, it's like <laughs> pictures, image, talking, tone of... Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are fuck, there are times when I'm walking up the street and I hear somebody behind me. I don't even turn and I already know I don't like them. I just heard their voice and I'm like, I'm done. That's all I need to know, you know? So it's... Why would ever make me like that? Yeah, so exactly, you know, that kind of thing. I'm just... So, yes, I am a pain in the ass. Quite a few people, after I've shared my theory, say, well, you're just... I remember I was telling... Um, <laughs> I was telling the glorious Savannah M about this, and she said, I was telling her, you know, man, I'm beginning to think I'm gayer because there was this uh, one girl who was all into me, and I was like, you know, she's hot and all, but she saw the picture, and I'm like, oh, shit, okay, maybe you are gay. And then she heard the Kate Upton story, and me going, ah, I'm not really into that. I don't think... She was like, first she was all like, no, you just have high standards and blah, blah, blah. And then she was yeah, no, you're gay, man. That's just how it is. There's just no way. But so anybody looking for a date, Savannah is obviously available. So uh. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, let's see. Let's throw another is moment in there. We have gone into ancient history when she was two and stuff. Here is one where now she's a big girl. She's all the way to four. So let's go there. This happened just a few days ago. In the car, we are having a running argument about she wants fruit juice from trader joe it's unfortunately it's the kind of fruit juice that has a ton of added sugar all of that she digs it problem is it really seriously gives you cavities so we're having this discussion about you know what no bad idea i think we're done with that you had it too much in the past i want my damn fruit juice no da, da, da. we go back and forth a few times eventually she understands that there's not gonna be you know this is a non-negotiable one it's done it's over so she just retreats into this just brute you know heavy silence where she's just sitting there in the car just like thinking and i can think she's not thinking happy thoughts there no 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 she's like she's mad she's just all and all of a sudden i hear her muttering to herself i will get my revenge I was like, what the fuck, baby? It's fruit juice. Really? I will get my revenge? That's where we're at? Wow. So after that, I officially live in fear. You have interfered with our plans for the last time. Yeah. I will get my revenge. So that's what I got to live with, you know? Wow. Do you sleep with one eye open now? Basically. No, she's sweet, actually. But she threatens bodily harm on a fairly regular basis. Don't know where she could have got that from. Well, this is just a warm-up, too. I can't wait to see what's going on 10 years from now. Yeah. Things will be really interesting at that point. Yeah, seriously. Just the littered bodies laying around your house from the foolish uh, boys that oh, came yeah. in too close for a snoop. <laughs> ah, what the hell? We're on a roll. I'll give you two more. Excellent. Here, here we go. This is is centric. Yes. We're in the garden picking tomatoes great joy and uh, I was just complaining about the damn squirrels I can almost pronounce it right this is by the way it's one of the words that I can never fucking pronounce I have people who call me from across the country that I know that can you play say squirrel for me because my original way of saying it for the longest time was squirrel and so they're like huh what again 
Squirrel, clearly. And so I have to do strange scene to try to pronounce it. Squirrel. It's forcing you to say squirrel is obviously affecting your sovereign ragnity. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those that I can pronounce just like the word perfect or good or red. Those are all nice. Those are all, but in any case. So I'm whining about the rodents that are in the garden saying that they eat uh, that's actually where I went with it and that's uh, they are eating the tomatoes but we do find some ripe tomatoes so Isabella goes oh the squirrels are not so big bastards they left us some because they knew we were hungry and I was like the squirrels are not so big bastards I was pretty thrilled with that but none of these reaches the moment of the last conversations that I'm gonna throw in here for now out of the blue, she looks at me and she goes, I want a dog costume, my size. I'm like, okay, but why do you want a dog costume? You know, what's the point? Because then I can piss in the street and no one will say anything. But I was like, okay, there's an impeccable logic there, but somehow, what? Try again? So, yeah. I got nothing on that one. <laughs> really dog costume so I can piss in the street and no one will say anything because they all think I'm a dog (laughs) hey as long as you're clear on your priorities pissing in the street is clearly important you know that's you know it's all about establishing goals right that's what's important in life there you have your is moments times five I guess yes (laughs) no pissing in the street people yeah You know, sometimes you you take a look inside the digital mailbox and you you can't believe what's actually in there. This is one of those days. Yeah, our first... I'm hoping that two, three, and four are going to go better for you of the four questions we're tackling uh, today because I know that one is not going to go well because I know it's going to go against what the good chunk of the people who listen to us believe and go by. So... Shit, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but the question was posed and it's only honest to answer it truthfully, so let's go there. I'm actually going to be in disagreements with some of the people I like, such as Joe Rogan, such as Duncan Trussell, some of like some of the people I get along with and have good podcast experiences with. But the question that was posed is about rape jokes in specific. And uh, the whole thing is, uh, you know, I know that Joe went off about that topic before, Duncan has done too, basically emphasizing the, hey, it's comedy, you can do whatever the fuck you want, it's your right, and it's your right, I agree with them, you know, of course, legally speaking, from in terms of right, of course you have the right to say whatever the hell you want in that regard, that's a given, and I agree with them, there's no issue there. What I do argue is that a right doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good idea. No, it definitely doesn't make it appropriate in polite company in any way, shape, or form. It's funny. I don't think you're going to get as much blowback as you think because I'm 100% behind you on this one. Well, but i give you an example. Uh, Joe's audience, who's to a large degree our audience, um, is um, overwhelmingly anytime somebody brought up an argument against that type of stuff that was uh, so I'm guessing that 
but you know let's play with it let's see how we frame it but the bottom line is that to me i'm not even saying not only i say of course it's a right i'm also saying it i do allow for the fact that there may be the contest or there may be the situation where it's okay but what i'm saying is it better be the best fucking joke ever that makes anybody roll on the floor because i do see how if it's something that's brilliantly funny it can be actually something great because it's something that can exorcise horror you know you take like something like life is beautiful the benigni movie it's a funny movie about the holocaust you know that's not a polite thing to do but he pulled it off was well done and including, you know, a bunch of Jewish people watching it saying, you know what, it's fine. It was well done. It's funny in a way that doesn't offend me. It's actually kind of therapeutic in some way. There's something that exorcises the horror through comedy in a good way. So I can see that. And I do. But having said that, you better be able to pull that off. Because in 99.99% of cases, you're not going to pull it off. And if you are going to touch on a topic <clears throat> that hits a raw nerve, such as rape jokes, you better be insanely good. Otherwise, you're just a dick. Yeah. And case in point, like the whole thing about that came up when the guy, um, Tosh, what's his fucking name? Um, the Tosh point Daniel, guy, Daniel, Daniel Tosh. Daniel yeah. Tosh, yeah, yeah. His example, Tosh is a unfunny dick. He's not funny and he's an ass. And that's what it boils down to. That in his case, he wasn't even a joke. He was just a flat out yelling at some lady in the audience who he felt was heckling him and stuff. And so he got mad. He wasn't even heckling him at all. And uh, somebody had asked him in the audience about, like he had asked the audience, what kind of jokes do you guys want me to make? And somebody had suggested a rape joke. And some lady had said, well, there's not really much that's funny about rape. And he went off on her, and I forget exactly what he said, but it was like, there was nothing even remotely funny about it. It was just insanely aggressive and just fucked up and mean-spirited. And so my point in that regard is that with jokes in general, is it depends on your audience, it depends on who you are. You know, an insider joke is much better than an outsider one when you're talking about sensitive stuff. So, you know, if you are going to make a, somewhat of a racist joke, but it's done by somebody who's member of that group, you can get away with it. Because usually there's something that hey, you're clearly not putting yourself down, you're playing in a way that can become... If the same joke is made by a KKK member, not funny, not funny at all. So not only the joke better be damn good, but who you are in what contest, and that also comes into play. Again, we're not talking about rights here. Legal rights, yeah, you have the legal right to say whatever you want. We're talking about not being a dick, which is a very different thing from what's legal. So if you want to do the dropping the soap joke while you're in prison, go right, right ahead. Mm, but yeah, you better be the one who's already in prison, not the... Exactly. Right. No, because I couldn't agree with you more. We tolerate the Westboro Baptist Church... Mm -hmm. Because that's the rules we claim to go by. Anyway. Sure. Yes, you can say whatever the hell you want to. And not even with written reason, it seems. Mm -hmm. It seems just the craziest shit. 
we have to be able to tolerate that because when it's your turn and you have something that's controversial to say, then you should be allowed the same leniency. Right. But I'm with you. There ain't a goddamn thing happy about it. And I can't even imagine being an audience where there is a very, very good chance. It's not even a chance. To guarantee that there are several members of your audience. Mm-hmm. They've been horrifically traumatized by this. Hey, why don't we tell some fucking PTSD jokes, you know? Right. Wow, when those shells came in and blew my buddy's head off, that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, I know. It's like, and again, if you were in the middle of a war and you dealt with it, people may catch you more slack because you're talking about something that you have gone through. Right. Making a joke about something that somebody else has gone through that's traumatic. Yeah. Fuck you. That's my polite ending of the answer to that no anybody who's got a problem with that thanks for listening (laughs) and the nine of you that are still left we'll see you next week i don't know i'll be interested to see and you know the haters are gonna hate anyway but come on man. i haven't had this conversation with either joe or duncan or something and um but yeah i didn't understand their take on it i just seemed um don't you have a mother or a daughter? Maybe it's the fact that we both have daughters. No, they do. I mean, not Duncan, Joe but does. Uh, Joe does. And um, no, I mean, and I get the argument about legal right as far as uh, you know, comedy should be free to go in all sort of places. I dig that. I understand and I respect that. Yeah. Again, and I'm not even saying you should never ever touch it. I remember, fuck, I got in trouble once because I tweeted something that somebody had sent me, like a picture that was really hilariously funny making fun of one of the damas uh, republican politicians in 2012 were basically arguing how even rape is sent by god or something and so somebody had made this really funny picture that was really just making fun of what this damas was saying right and i remember a couple of people didn't like it because he was going in and i was like okay i get it you know you have been through shit that i haven't been through I still think he's funny and he's, I don't think he's offensive because he's actually making a point that's the opposite of what you're perceiving, but whatever, you know, it's like, I get that. So I'm not saying you can never make it, but it better be well Yeah, it better be gold and there better be, there's right contest. You need to be a certain person to be able to pull it off and all of that stuff. The specific example that started it all, the Daniel Tosh one, pff, none of that. It's just a dick being a dick. On that note, I expect to be on a Daniel Tosh podcast anytime soon. Anytime you're happy right by. Yeah. Um, All right, number two. Number two. Can't be that controversial, can it? Well, let's see. No, this is better. Somebody, shit, I didn't write your name. Sorry. Uh, Maybe I did write your name. Let's see who you are. Who wrote me? Jesus, you wrote me a lot. I'm scrolling (laughs) through. Nathan. Sorry, sorry. Scrolling through your email. Found it. Okay. Nathan writes about how basically his family is pissed over his uh, love for mixed martial arts. And uh, they see him as a barbarian who is uh, uh, like this uncivilized freak. It's so easy into human cockfighting. And this is just like the gladiators of Rome, which, by the way, if we go back to my previous podcast on gladiators from World Peace, it should be a great idea to bring them back. But in any case... Um, people, I guess people in his family were totally cool if he was watching a boxing match, but MMA is barbaric and terrible and horrible. And I mean, start with the fact that it's obviously stupid because a boxing is 
considerably more dangerous because you're taking repeated shots to the brain which may not look as bad because you don't see the damage done but there's i mean think about the perversion of it all in a boxing match when you get first you put the you wrap up the hands in these giant gloves that are not designed to protect the person on the receiving end they are designed to protect the hands of the person punching so you can punch 10 times harder without worrying about breaking your hand that power is still going into the other person's brain then when you knock somebody down rather than letting the one who did knock down to come in throw a couple more punches before the referee step in to say no this is going too far stop it here you give a time to the person who has been knocked out to shake the cobwebs out of their brain and stand back up so they can get start getting beat a lot longer through the rest of the night and it's like ish but in any case so that's just stupidity about the boxing mma thing now nathan in specific say how he digs some of the philosophical aspects of mma sort of how he see that as a way to face your fears head on learn how to overcome them conquer your demons and uh, all of that and um, how he's frustrated with the fact that instead uh, family members seem purely as uh, you are some crazy bloodthirsty bastard who enjoy watching blood and gore and um, he feels you know insulted and bugged about it and um, and all of that and the question there, I guess, is in regard of how do you deal with people that you care about who look at you as a barbarian for stuff like that? And uh, other than the fact that I think maybe you should change friends or family. No, not can't that. change your family, unfortunately. And I think no, we all can't. have those uncomfortable Thanksgiving conversations with the uh, far right uncle and the whole bit. But it's hilarious that you mentioned this because my youngest son and I were watching some UFC reruns mm-hmm. just a, a, not even a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where somebody just got the shit beat. He fell, and of course, the other guy pounced and commenced to unleashing hell on him. And it did feel like the ref took a little long. Yeah, it happens. I mean, it does happen, definitely. And that was a moment we were like, what are we actually watching here? But it's... It's the whole mono e mono thing of Mm -hmm. it all. That First of all, for you both to have the balls to go in there and take a shot at this, that's pretty incredible all by itself. And the five-minute rounds, just brutal. Yeah, intense. I mean, and this is even like, I remember a few times where I felt a little disturbed was watching Pride, which had the different rules compared to the modern unified rules. The whole head stomping on the ground, I was like, ish, that's a little hard to watch sometimes. But I mean, the bottom line on this is, um, I think emphasizing in a discussion with somebody that you're trying to convince not so much the did you see that kick to the head and that tooth that flew away you know that's probably not the way to go uh but emphasizing the philosophical aspect of it the idea of the this is a safe place safe in the sense that it doesn't involve outsiders is people who want to go into facing their fear in one of the most extreme levels through Com- I mean, look at it. It's like even visually, you have two semi-naked guys who are stripped down to the bare bones. It's really about just your body, your heart and soul that you put in there. And rather than being any sport where you score by throwing a ball somewhere, it's about, it's about your body. On a primal level, it doesn't feel like it's a sport. On a primal level, you feel like you're in a life or that kind of thing. You clearly are not because it is a sport and there are rules and there's all of that but it does feel that way so it's about pushing those boundaries and making you feel 
really dealing with fear in a way that few other things can do in civilized fashion and in mostly non-deadly fashion because at the end of the day the reality of 99.9% of MMA is that everybody will, will go go home have dinner with their family nobody's gonna die I mean it happens some weird shit happens like in anything but it's not the you know weird shit happens in cheerleading and that's the you could die in the locker room slipping on the floor exactly. on your way out so as a general rule that's not where the game is going so but it does the fear is very real the intensity of it all is very real so putting the accent on that on the aspect of uh, the um, philosophical fear related aspect of it all and then at the same time emphasizing look there are still safeguards it's still not like we give you a sword against the other dude with a sword and you are exploring your fears yeah you're also getting your head chopped off you know that's a little more this is not it so a mix of emphasizing the safety and the, the philosophical aspect i think would do it if it doesn't just Screw your friends. Yeah. Ambulances within 100 yards of, you know, everything. Doctors yeah. all over the place. I am, um, I don't know. I like it. You know what I like the most about it is it seems to be something that's constantly evolving. Because mm-hmm. we definitely, I guess about four years ago, the kind of giant Hulk who was a wrestling expert, that if he got you on the ground, you were done. But then kind of the sort of six foot 200 guy sort of stepped in. And he was going to be able, since he didn't have all that muscle to throw around, he was going to be quicker. If he could outlast your punishment, it see that that sort of yeah. person. And who knows what's going to be next? Yeah. There's somebody out there figuring it out right now that's going to unleash something. So that's really cool, too. Boxing really hasn't changed no, in absolutely. 100 years other yeah. than they put the damn gloves on. Mm-hmm. No, the evolution of the MMA game, even technically in that sense, is interesting, definitely. And... Uh, it really is like a human chess match in that regard. No, it's, it's um, pretty fascinating. So, yeah, don't let your friends be mean to you. If it's your family, there's nothing you're going to do. Your mom right. is always going to give you a hard time about it, but life's too short. Big time. Big, big time. Jumping on next, Chris. Chris tells us, this is a kind of a funny one. He says about how um, smoking good seedless pot feels good, and at the same time, there's something that bugs him philosophically because he feels like the reason why it's so strong and potent is because you have taken a female marijuana plant and sexually frustrated it by having no access to the male plants and so it keeps getting stickier and stickier in order to dry trying to grab the tiniest pollen grain that it can in order to complete its life cycle reproduce and everything by denying that to the plant you are really creating the most frustrated plant in the universe and uh, yeah you do have some very tasty marijuana after that that doesn't have to be deceded and that there's a plus to it but do you really want to smoke that are there bad vibes associated with it and um no (laughs) next question I'm actually gonna agree with you because <laughs> uh, the um, the no, I go, I see his point though, because I think that um, I don't really care about taking some seeds out. It doesn't bother me, and have slightly less less powerful weed. I actually like more mellow stuff because I like the act of smoking. I like the so I don't mind smoking if uh, you know taking three hits of one thing gets you super wild. I'll smoke a joint and a half and get the same effect in more mellow slow fashion where I can decide when to stop rather than being hit with this crazy hard thing all at once. 
and on top of it I'll remove I will not be smoking some sexually frustrated plant which you know doesn't sound like a good deal maybe it is but maybe it's not who knows well, you gotta put it on you gotta put it on the cosmic scale though yeah on the left we have the sticky dank super nugs mm-hmm. versus some mexicali ditchweed that's more stems and seeds than anything else who's frustrated now <laughs> With your goddamn Pink Floyd record, just a sweeping and a sweeping and a sweeping and get the seeds and get right. the stems. So, you know what? The goddamn plant can suffer a little bit. <laughs> this is bringing a lot of things back together at the same time because I was against the seedless watermelons just a moment ago. Right. I've changed my past. Oh no, I'm I'm hypocritical all over the place because it also sort of brings us into our 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 our, our, our mistresses of, of mercy. Um Sometimes somebody's got to be frustrated. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually. This is clearly a California question. Yeah, of course. And we are. Uh, this, are one, this one is we're on opposite ends of the line. Not <laughs> dramatically, because I see the point, but yes. The, um, well, last but not least, uh, Jenny oh, uh, Hypothetically. I'm sorry. I meant to add that to all that. Oh, of course, by the way, because none of these applies to no, our actual no, no, practice. No, 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 or no. Make sure you have a, a, a license in the state that's licensed. And if you don't, drugs are bad. Yeah, always. Very, very, very bad. <laughs> Next up, Jenny asks um, something that we touched in the previous podcast. Actually, she didn't know about it because we hadn't released it yet. But so I'll just bring it back up again without going to the same depth as we were going in the rant in the previous podcast. But... She asked regarding about do um, atheists, specifically, particularly scientists, can become just as bogged down and narrow-minded as people they're, they're trying to disprove, such as fundamentalists, religious fundamentalists or various brands. Um, she says, for some period I was a stubbornly atheist, convinced of the belief that no God exists, a belief that was totally founded on a fate, uh, and I had no facts to support it. And I mean, that's the reality of it, is that at the end of the day, when you're talking about uh, what happens after you die or the existence of gods or not, spirits and whatever, everybody's talking out of their ass because nobody has any hardcore evidence to go by. You have slightly more or slightly less pushing you one way or another. If you are honest with yourself, my guess is that the evidence in your life about these facts will be very contradictory. Oh, yeah. Because there will be probably things that push you one way and other things that push you another. And so anybody who come up with a very simple line on this of absolute certainty over something where how the hell can you be certain of stuff like that? I don't really trust them that much. So I completely agree with her there that uh, dogma is dogma regardless of, um, regardless of which adjective you attach to it whether it's scientific dogma or religious dogma or whatever the fuck is, is the same thing in the end is wanting simple answers craving simple answers where no simple answer is there no how are you ever gonna how are you ever gonna calculate a world where a million children can die in a famine mm-hmm. but you can counteract that with rain that disappears on the day you're burying your father uh, a mysterious smile on the face of a person who's passed away that only you can perceive you know those mysterious moments mm-hmm. where the matrix rattles loose a little bit yep. and the pieces fall away and you know maybe that's why you're here to, to experience those questionable moments mm-hmm. and maybe this is a 
plane of conflict and contradictions and it is that's just a to fact. see how you handle it that's a fact because that's what the um, test is i mean the thing is yes you need to be strong in some way in order to be able to have the guts to accept to live with mystery which is what a bunch of life is you know anytime you try to squeeze the mystery in a simple answer you're fucking things up because it, there's nothing simple about it and no. that just where it's at so when you insist on having some clear-cut position over something and i mean granted like one of the examples you bring up the atheist one is like i don't need to have a full proof to understand that some are just poorly put together fairy tales for stupid kids about the nature of the divine there are plenty of examples where yeah i don't have scientific evidence to say this is not real but i also don't have scientific evidence that the flying spaghetti monster didn't create the universe you know it's like and yet i pretty much know that that's bullshit the same way as is bullshit a lot of the fairy tales that are peddled in a lot of organized religion because the reality of it if this is the best that a divine intelligence can produce that shitty story that make no sense that is disturbing on a lot of levels yeah that doesn't speak wonders about this divine intelligence because if it's, a, it's the equivalent of a screenplay written by an idiot and you're peddling that as the word of god please you know i get that that Yes, I don't need to have full evidence to understand that some of it is bullshit. But at the same time, just because you are dismissing the most obvious stupid stuff doesn't mean that you can dismiss the entire concept. Like something like God, what the hell does it even mean? When you say you do believe or you don't believe in God, what the hell are you saying? What is God? Is it, uh, uh, you know, old white dude with a beard in the sky, sort of like a father figure for people who have that the issues yeah i mean that's so stupid of a concept that i can see why you can dismiss it but how about if you define it as some uh, impersonal energy kind of like the tao in that sense is that as easy to dismiss or you're talking about the existence of spirits in general can there be some of these things are not that clear-cut and keeping an open mind is a sign of being healthy not a sign of being a superstitious freak it's funny, George Carlin used to say that he decided he was just going to worship the sun, A, because it's been popular all through history, for <laughs> yep. sure, and that his prayers were still being answered at the same 17% rate uh, <laughs> if he was doing to the guy with the beard or the big bright thing in the sky that gave him all the warmth and all the food and all the energy yep. that he used to survive every day. I remember reading that one. That was funny. It's funny. As soon as you look at all the terrible things, if you ever find yourself... In a forest. Mm-hmm. There really is an imprint of the amazing at that point. All these multiple layers of tiny little biospheres of this little frog only lives here because he likes this tree and that sap comes off of this. And when you get in the intertwining of that, there really is something incredible going on. Yeah. No, I'm. there are plenty of moments where I feel like, whoa, the universe, there does seem to be something going on in the universe way beside the material world. The things where they feel like things are clicking in a way that... The, yeah. It's the Thomas Paine argument. Is the universe is too fucking amazing to be purely random chaos and nothing totally. else. And the, and the repeating patterns over and over and over again. Bodies circling bodies over and over and over from atom to a solar system to galaxies. It all is sort of the same thing going on. I actually pulled off the road 
coming back down a couple of days ago because it was an unbelievably clear night on the coast, mm-hmm. and the Milky Way was wrapping its arms around the planet Earth, and it was just unbelievable. And you know, to see that drifting off into the ocean, that next stop, China. Yeah, that's some powerful, that's pretty stuff incredible right stuff. Yeah. Did you see? Just to add some silliness. Um, about three weeks ago, which will be five or seven weeks when we finally get this mm-hmm. out, um, the Cassini probe that circles Saturn mm-hmm. was in a position where, when it was taking the picture of Saturn, the Earth was in the distance. Mm. So they told people, if you will wave in this direction at this time of day, you will technically be a part of the photo that we are taking. <laughs> So there's That's like 35,000 people photobombing from the of Earth, course, which ends course. up being like a half a pixel wide <laughs> at a little tiny blue dot. But uh, That's funny. that was a pretty fun thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have it figured out. I love the mysteries. The mysteries, I think, are the most exciting yeah. part. And Big if I ever time. become some grumpy bastard that thinks he knows it all, just put me on that Viking pyre and push me out to sea because I'll be done at that point. I love learning something new every day. And I really do. Well, I mean, if you're honest and open to life, you do. That's just how how it is. You get stuck in certain patterns when you reject evidence because it doesn't fit with your dogmas only when you're addicted to dogma, which is how a lot of people live. Yeah, and the next thing you know, all your women are wearing burkas. Yeah, never good. Not good. Yeah. And I won't support that one. That's madness. Ladies, rise up. Is that an eyebrow I see there? God, that's hot. You know, my brother was telling me last week. He saw an angle. Jesus Christ, I think. I think I need to excuse myself. Yeah, no, sorry. I have Does anybody have a paper towel? Time, I have to go to the bathroom. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon.